With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So you don't, you, you don't expect to hear Duke and Akron in the same sentence very often, but there you go. On the flip side, Duke only... Duke only played two quadrant four games the entire time. Yeah, and that's that's usually where Coach K and Duke do a good job of scheduling, you know, those higher end out of conference games where they know they're going to win, especially at home. Well, unless it's Stephen F. Austin. <laughs> but, you, you know, that still helps you overall in your profile and certainly doesn't hurt you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they had Brown, who they scheduled in Central Arkansas, which was scheduled for them in that preseason tournament. And that is how Duke ends up with a non-conference strength of schedule of seven. Don't play bad teams. Yes, it's really that simple sometimes, kids. That's how you do it. That's how you rig it. Don't, it, whether it's the RPI or the net, don't play bad teams. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, and... This is not really a bubblicious ACC tournament for most teams, but it is going to be for one in particular. And I felt like this conversation that I wanted to have with the athletics, Patrick Stevens, um, who is one of my favorite bracketologists, really my only favorite bracketologist, if we're being honest, because he's the only person I will unironically call that. (laughs) Um, I wanted to get him on to talk about both NC State and then also sort of this overarching Big Ten discussion we've been having all year when it comes to net and things like that. And maybe while what we see isn't matching up with what the numbers are showing us. So first of all, hi, Patrick. Hello. I'm I'm doing my best to sound perky early in the morning, which is not very easy (laughs) for me. You're doing great. Um, I don't feel super perky either, so I get it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so first of all, Patrick, NC State, I guess, is either kind of in on most people's brackets, just out. Where do you kind of have them slated right now? Yeah, I, I see them just inside the field. And, and so when you, when you size up uh, how the bracket kind of looks at this point for NC State, uh, the one thing you know darn well that they don't want to do uh, is lose that, that first game in the conference tournament. There's, there's simply... Not a not a path for them, I don't think, unless unless everything else goes exactly their way uh, for them uh, to to realistically be able to survive dealing with a loss to either Wake Forest or Pitt. And so they had some practice at this. You know, they've just dealt with those two teams in the last couple of weeks. So uh, good for them on that front. Uh, And from there, you know, it becomes kind of a you you clearly improve your lot in life. Uh, if you can beat Duke for a second time uh, in the quarterfinals, and if you don't, and you go one and one, which frankly is kind of what you expect most teams that are at the edge of the field to to do at this time of year. I mean, they're they're there for a reason. It's not it's because that they don't normally pick off games like that. Uh, so then they'll just be kind of sitting there and hoping that more stuff like Utah State winning the Mountain West doesn't happen. So if you're NC State, you, you clearly have a list of teams at this stage that. 
that you're rooting for. It should really be like an NC State viewer's guide to everything else going on this week. Uh, I, I feel like you could have an annual subscription to that and, and it would sell every single season. So the NC State fans guide to who to root. Living on the edge by Aerosmith, except living on the bubble. Um, that's like the NC State theme song year after year. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if if Groundhog Day is on February 2nd, then NC State. Oh, my God, what's happening elsewhere? Day probably is about March 2nd. And you just kind of roll through for however long it takes to to pick off who who you have to root for and root against. I mean, there's there's few things there's few things more reliable than, than NC State having a harrowing first couple of weeks in March. I'll, I'll say this: what do what does NC State have? Like, what's the biggest knock on its resume right now? Would you say? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because they kind of have a little bit of what's going on. Uh, or what they had going on in 2014 is that when you looked at them, you go, you know, there's really not a whole lot bad here. Uh, I, I would argue that there, there's two things that kind of stand out, and, and both of them don't stand out in a way, if that makes any sense. They, they lost at Boston College, and so they have two, two quad three losses. But guess what? Just about everybody they're getting compared to at the edge of the field has a one or two, one or two quad three losses, and sometimes even more than that. Uh, you know, they, they certainly got helped by Georgia Tech moving moving out of that column and into the quad two column for now, uh, barely. But uh, overall, I, I don't think that loss is going to hurt them all that much. the The other thing is is that they don't have a ton of high end wins, but none of the teams here have too many high end wins, and they certainly don't have too many road high end wins. But most of the teams they're getting compared to aren't going to have that. So you know, if, if I'm NC State, the, the team I'm really rooting for this weekend is Virginia. Uh, go ahead, Virginia. Win as many games as you want. Uh, make that victory in Charlottesville look better and better and better, as it has uh, really for the last month or so. So you know, NC State kind of has a, a, you know, the, the Duke victory is, is clearly very helpful because it gives them something uh, on, on a high end. Uh, but Duke, you know, Duke, Wisconsin, Virginia, th those three are pretty solid victories. And if, if I'm NC State, I tend to think barring chaos elsewhere, uh, their task is just just don't mess up. Don't mess up. And, and I, I know that's not always the easiest thing, uh, <laughs> but don't mess up. I feel so validated that you agree with me on this, because for me, I know that they lost to Georgia Tech and Wake last year, but I, I really feel like at the end of the day, the committee wanted to send a message about their non-conference strength of schedule. That I, that I think was a very large part. Of it. And I think like with how much they've improved it this year, it's, I think it's in the 80s last I checked. 84. Yeah. And I mean, I, to me, I think if it's even close with some of the other teams that are being talked about, I just think I think they will want to send that message that, hey, good job. But I don't think there's a team that we're looking at at the edge of the field that has one of those truly awful non-conference strength of schedules. The stat that I had, I loved it so much, and it got ruined last year, um, despite NC State, was that from 2007 until 2018, there, there had not been an at-large selection with a double-digit seed that had a non-conference strength of schedule of 300 or mm. worse. I, Iowa was a 10 seed last year with a non-conference strength of schedule like around 303 or something. Like and Iowa's that. isn't great this year. Iowa's is, as we look at it here, Iowa's is 246. Eesh. So it's not, it's not dreadful. It's not good, but it's not dreadful. The teams that are 250 or worse 
that we would be looking at as in the at-large field. Uh, and just humor me here, because some of these teams you know darn well are going to be in the field. Gonzaga at 285. Wow. Um, and then Penn State at 334, uh, with, which I think is safely in the field, which is a good thing. You know, Virginia was at 220 for what it's mm-hmm. worth, which I, I was a little surprised to see. Notre Dame, which is not going to be an at-large pick in all likelihood, is 300 on the button. Um, and then you get down to Oregon State at 325, which is not going to be an at-large pick, and Tulsa at 333. Uh, and just about everybody else here, you know, Virginia Tech's 272. They're not, I mean, we're, we're getting into teams that, yeah, that uh, no under a different ranking system, yeah, they just don't have any shot. So I don't see that as being a variable that's going to come into play for for really anybody this season. The committee has the committee has more often punished bad schedules than it has rewarded great schedules. And the truth is is that on two fronts, you know, I, I don't know if 80th is, is substantially different in their eyes than say 140th uh, or, or something along those lines. So there, there's you know it, it, it's more of a it's more of a how can we differentiate these teams in an, in a glaring way? Uh, and so that's when you start getting into, well, this team won't, this team is winless on the road, or this team has a terrible non-conference strength of schedule, or this team doesn't have any quadrant one wins. Uh, and, and you start slicing and dicing all that stuff up. And that, that's kind of how it looks. Uh, so, you know, and that's when, you know, kind of getting back to NC state uh, and, and its profile it, you know, it, it's it, it's not particularly offensive, uh, and you're sitting there, and, and there's probably you know you, you kind of wish if you're NC State that you had more than four victories over likely tournament teams: the Duke, Wisconsin, Virginia, and then Little Rock is actually at this point would be in the tournament field. They they won the regular season in the Sun Belt, so uh, you know that that's maybe a little bit of a of a shortcoming, uh, and that maybe that. If you if you don't want to talk about NC State anymore, that might say get into the Big Ten stuff uh, relative to some of these mid pack Big Ten teams that 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 have all these victories against likely tournament teams. Okay, and and I guess yeah, that's that's the weird. I feel like sort of self perpetuating cycle. Like, how did we? I guess in this year of college basketball, you look around and you don't see a whole lot of differentiating between a lot of the teams in college basketball, at least in my opinion. And it feels like the ACC has slipped below this weird threshold um, of like, of just below, I guess, like you said, likely tournament teams, but they don't have anybody bad enough to be the one that gets beat up on. Like there is no Nebraska, there is no Northwestern um, to rack up all these victories against. In a weird way, I feel like that's ended up hurting the ACC instead of helping. (laughs) I don't know. It's just- yeah, in, 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 some, in some ways. Like, I mean, if you're sitting here trying to optimize, optimize tournament bids, and, and the, the Big Ten this year and the Big East of 2011 are, are the two examples, I think, that are as good as any because they show two different paths to doing it. It is have as stark a differentiation as possible between the top X and the bottom Y, basically. So... Um, if you look at the Big Ten this year, uh, Northwestern and Nebraska, uh, you take their two games out against each other, and they went three and three and thirty-three against the rest of the conference. Although an interesting little stat: nobody got an advantage of playing either of those teams four times, or the disadvantage of only playing them twice. 
the league actually rigged it so that everybody <laughs> got to play Northwestern and Nebraska combined three times. But aside from that, that means only three teams in the top 12 frittered away a game that was that was an obvious, you know, put that in the bank. You know, Nebraska picked off a couple teams early that I believe was Iowa and Purdue, and then uh, Northwestern got Penn State the other day. So that's one way to do it. The other way to do it is, is you know, similar size league, not quite as, or a little bit bigger, I should say. The Big East of 2011 had a very, very clear-cut top 11, uh, and that group spent almost the entire season beating up on Seton Hall, Rutgers, Providence, South Florida, and DePaul. And I can't remember the number off the top of my head for what those five teams managed, but I feel like they got... They picked off the top 11 like a combined six times or seven times or something like that. It, it wasn't a lot. Uh, and the other thing that the Big East back then did was they basically, instead of having some sort of equitable schedule rotation, they intentionally scheduled as much as possible so that back then, say, Syracuse and Pitt were playing each other as much as possible. Uh, you'd have Louisville and Notre Dame set up to play twice a year. Uh, and they would rig the schedule so that the television inventory looked better, which meant that on the downside of things, you had a whole lot of South Florida and DePaul. You had a whole lot of Providence and Rutgers. Uh, and so, you know, those would be the home and homes that those teams would get. Uh, so, you know, the ACC hasn't done that. And there might be there might be some wisdom, actually, in, in trying to rig that, although with a 20 game schedule, it's a little bit harder uh, to separate that stuff out. That was an 18 league game league schedule with 16 teams so you had only so many of those uh home and homes that you could have to begin with and so you could basically rig it a lot easier than when you have the acc's current setup where you have where you're playing six of the other 14 teams um twice in a given season i guess i'm sort of confused as to like what what did the big 10 do do you think in the non-con to set itself apart enough to where we're here right now where they have so many teams in that you know, quad one, you know, high quad two area in net, whereas the ACC is sort of struggling to make sure it keeps everybody in the quad two. Yeah, I think I think some of it was that you had you, you legitimately started off with a group of a top five or six teams that were were really good. I mean, I, I would have probably said by the time we got to mid December or so that or even earlier, really. That if you're sitting there looking at Michigan State and Maryland, uh, and and Michigan based on how they were playing at that point, uh, and a couple other teams, that that top five was probably better than the ACC's top five, just For in sure. general. But then you start, then you start getting into, well, look at this. You know, Rutgers is actually good in beating good teams, and Penn State. Some of it, some of it came down to the teams that you did that you normally don't expect to be good in the Big Ten were, were pretty good this year. And they just piled up more wins early. Uh, and then, um, <coughs> excuse me, and then, you know, it became kind of this home court deal where all these teams that had good non-conference schedules started beating each other up at home game after game after game for the first few weeks of, of league season. And it just kind of cycled through. Um, whereas in the ACC, you get a down year from Carolina, uh, you get a down year, relatively speaking, for Virginia Tech. You get, you know, a, a Clemson that was just kind of 
scrambling everything together and and most people didn't think they were going to get to nine wins in general you know Syracuse probably wasn't as good you have all these teams that maybe weren't quite as good as you thought they were going to be to begin with I mean Syracuse is actually kind of a perfect example of that um because I think a lot of people did think that they would be decent and then you look up uh in the in the middle of December and they basically lost all their important non-conference mm-hmm. games uh they they got picked off by they get picked off by Penn State. They got picked off by Iowa. They lost to Oklahoma State. They lost to Georgetown. Uh, you know, up and down the line, they just basically didn't win those early non-conference games that you you thought that that they'd have a sh- shot at. Uh, you know, kind of looking at Notre Dame, it, it's not that dissimilar there. You know, that's a team that that uh, lost to Indiana. They they did beat UCLA, but nobody thought that was going to be worth any, anything remotely decent. They lost to Maryland. Uh, and so y- you miss out on those opportunities to collect actual good victories. Uh, and, you know, it, it really is, in some ways, the whole net thing really isn't that much different from the RPI. Think back to that Missouri Valley year in 2006 when, like, six or seven Missouri Valley teams went out and got huge non-conference victories. And then they played each other round robin, and it just sort of was this cycle that perpetuated itself. And in fact, that's actually the year that produced the the, the best ranked RPI team that got left out of the tournament. Missouri State at number twenty, and it was still a year where the Valley got four four teams into the field, largely because of that cycle effect. So you know, there just weren't as there just weren't as many high end victories that were getting cycled in in the ACC, whereas the Big Ten did pick up a bunch more early and was able to benefit from that. And you can't really point to the whole 20 game league schedule thing because both of those both of those conferences. Are yeah. So really, my theory that it took the ACC pro- teams probably a little too long to round into form is probably right. There's probably some truth to that. Um, you know, I, I think, too, that uh, that, you know, some of them didn't really. Some of them basically exceeded the form that that you might have guessed mm-hmm. they were going to get. Uh, you know, you, when you compare, say, Purdue, which is the tenth best Big Ten team standings wise, anyway, probably the eleventh best when it comes to to sizing up, um, t- sizing up, you know, who would be in the field and who wouldn't be, and and let's compare it to the tenth best team in the ACC, which might be I don't know, is that Clemson? At this point, if we throw Georgia Tech into this mix too, I mean, you just you just have these teams that didn't that either didn't do enough or realistically probably just weren't going to be quite that good to begin with this season. Um, you know, I I, I kind of look at at some of those teams that, that we're talking about. You know, did Pitt was how good was Pitt going to be? Expected Pitt to be maybe a little better than what they turned out to be, but how good were they going to be? How good was Boston College going to be, especially after Pabs was done? How good was Virginia Tech going to be, given the massive makeover that they had? How good was Clemson going to be with that roster that was really so, you know, so dicey looking, even after, you know, they got back from the university games and they got some injuries and, you know, does the trans, do they get a transfer eligible and this, that and the other? There were just so many teams that had questions and it was, you know, and then you throw North Carolina into the mix. And, you know, that that's a, a variable that can't be understated either. If this is if we're talking about normal North Carolina here uh, and you're talking about a top four of Duke, Louisville, Florida State, 
North Carolina, maybe Virginia, that top five, I guess I should say. Sorry, Virginia fans. I don't want to insult <laughs> you here. You, your team has done fine work this season. Um, uh, even, even, even if given the defense offense gap, there a little bit of a unicorn there. Anyway, um, those five and you're sitting there talking, well, that's the top third of the ACC. That looks pretty good. And then, and then you've got NC state as a borderline team. And then maybe, uh, maybe one of those teams like a Syracuse or, or somebody rises a little bit, just kind of on a across the board type effect. Granted, Syracuse isn't a good choice because they didn't do anything in non-conference play. But maybe somebody else has a has a better look. Maybe a Notre Dame, for example. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know that that's that I think is is certainly a factor, but not the factor. I just I tend to think that some of these teams just kind of had more limited ceilings than they might have in a yeah in a normal I think year. that's probably right and I think you know coach K touched on this the other day I think that um the 20 game schedule means an adjustment in scheduling and a lot of teams adjusted down too much and probably assumed the ACC would help them more than it actually did there's probably some truth to that and I think another thing too that that the league would be wise to look at and I'm sure the coaches would love to see this happen is to not play a conference game. The first game. out. Oh, of the Thank you. I mean, when you, you know, like Pitt beat Florida state on the first day or two of the season. I mean, was there any other point that you would have realistically anticipated that happening? No. When these team, when these teams were playing. Um, okay. So when you look at, uh, you know, the, the was it Georgia Tech NC State was the first day of the season. And no Markel Johnson, no DJ Funderburg. Yeah. Plus, uh, you know, and, and you allude to this here, you start getting these funky one game suspensions that come off of stuff over over summers and things or, you know, either either the kid plays in some sort of event and can't and has to sit out a game or, you know, he, he cut class three times and a coach decides I can't let you play in the opener or something like that. They really need to get that out of there. And, and I think, you know, it, it's funny. People, you know, I'm, I'm up here dealing with Maryland a lot and nobody wants to hear me talk about how great the ACC <laughs> is. Uh, so now I'm just going to go ahead and say something about how the Big Ten got something right. Um, playing those two games basically right after the, the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And so what they've done the last couple of years is play Challenge plus two conference games and then you're off into Christmas and you come back around New Year's and, and play the next 18. Uh, that's really what the league needs to do, because I think that it does put some of its teams at a disadvantage that you're you're jumping into that that quickly. I get that it was a marketing splash and all that. Uh, but if the coaches if the coaches have a legitimate complaint that they want to grouse about here in the offseason, I think I think that is something that there's there's great value. And, you know, I. I I've talked to plenty of coaches over the years, and I know that if I was trying to schedule, there's three spots on a schedule I would try to have my easiest games. One would be the opener. You got nerves. You got all these other weird things going on. Just make sure you get through it without any trouble. The second would be right after finals, and the third would be right after Christmas. Uh, those, are the, those are the three spots that I think you drop your, your what should be your easiest games, your, your roll-the-ball-out games, and just hope that you can survive. and. And and it'd be great if you play well, but just avoid things altogether. And so put putting that kind of situation there with a conference game in the opener, I think is is not a good thing. Um, okay, so 
I have to ask about Minnesota because that's like the that's been the whipping boy of people that are looking at net, which I know is a sorting tool. And I try to emphasize this to people, but they've gone, I think, what is it, like three and nine in their last 12 and they've gone up in net. <laughs> I just I don't I know it's like, again, I know it's a sorting tool. I know it's efficiency based and scheduling based and everything, but it's like. What are we doing? There are a lot of there are a lot of close losses on there. And, you know, when you so, sort through and there's a fair number, eh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm looking at their profile right now. Uh, it certainly didn't hurt that they did what they did to, um, to Nebraska the other day. Um, the, the interesting thing about the net, as you well know, is that there isn't a formula that's public. And it very well may be it's because there's no formula. It could very well be that it is a, it is a metric that adapts based on data from multiple seasons. Um, I mean, it is, you know, it's a obviously a proprietary metric and the NCAA isn't about to release it. And there's a, there's value in that because if you don't know what the variables are and how, how much they're weighted, then you can't try to game the system. Whereas with the RPI, you could very easily game it. Um, the thing I would point out about Minnesota is, is not only are they 47th in net, they're 31st in the Ken Palm rankings coming into yesterday. So they're 29th actually after they beat up on, um, after they beat up on Nebraska yesterday by 30 some points. So they're, tw this is, you know, if you want to sit there and, and pick on the net for, for having Minnesota as a top 50 team, well, you know, let me point out that Minnesota has moved up seven spots in the last month on Ken Palm, despite going three and six in that. Yeah. And to be fair, like, it's not as if Minnesota's getting into the field at this point. So it's not, you know, it's not like they're going to sneak in or Correct. something like that. But I understand why ACC fans look at it and get frustrated when it's like they don't win it Maryland in that close game in the heartbreaker, or they don't beat Maryland in that close game. And then it's like, and then it's like, oh, mm -hmm. well, that they missed an opportunity to get into the field. And it's like, they're under 500. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> the, the, uh, the, thing that, the thing that I think the NCAA could alleviate some of it, the sniping on this, is if there was an actual number beyond a ranking. So an actual fraction or whatever that said this is what the actual number is. Not necessarily saying what goes into it. And, and obviously there's a lot of smart people that would then try to, you know, try to, you know, ret retrograde it a little bit and, and, and try to figure it out that way. But, you know, people say, well, they won this game and they didn't move up or they, you know, they, they won this other game against a bad team and they moved up six times. And it keeps coming back to the idea of, you know, nothing exists in a vacuum. And so you could be 50th in something and closer to number 41 than you are number 52. Or it could be the other way around, where you're 50th and you're closer to 60 than you are 48. Uh, and, and so those gaps don't show up on these team sheets, and it's really hard to make much sense uh, of things that way. And obviously, you know, if there's one very clear theme to this metric, it's that winning at home doesn't really help you very much. And losing it and losing on the road probably isn't going to hurt you very much. 
but doing the other stuff, losing or losing at home or winning on the road are the things that, that are really strongly factored into this. Yeah, that makes sense. And and NC State's probably done enough of the latter, I think, to help itself some too. With the road wins? Yeah. Yeah, they're five I mean they're five and seven on the road. You know, they have the neutral site lost to Memphis, but that's not terrible. They won at Virginia. They won at Syracuse. I'm not sure how much some mm-hmm. of the other, you know, you know, the Greensboro's actually a moderately useful road victory as well. How much does Miami or Wake help you? Eh, I don't know. But it doesn't hurt to have that going for you. So I, I think if you're NC State, that that's not we were talking about differentiating factors earlier. No one's looking at five and seven on the road for a team at the edge of the field saying, gosh, that's not good enough. That's frankly what you would expect or maybe a little bit better for a team. Yeah. And I think to in a weird way, I think maybe getting up in the top part of the bracket not only helps them avoid North Carolina, their nightmare fuel, but um, it also gives them a chance for maybe either a better win or a better loss um, than maybe if they'd lost to Virginia. Um, you know, I mean, it, that's it is what it is. We all know Virginia's better, but yeah, lose, losing to Duke on a neutral floor is not going to make anybody bat an eye. And relative to some of the games that are probably going to get lost by other teams this week that they're jockeying with for those last couple spots, it, it's going to be vastly superior uh, than, let's say, who a Wichita State might lose to. Or who a Mississippi State might lose to if it's not Kentucky, uh, or something like that, or I guess Kentucky or an Auburn or whoever, uh, but or, or who a Stanford might lose to, or 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 somebody somebody along those lines. So yeah, it, I think if NC State wins its first game in the conference tournament against whichever of those two teams it is, um, I, I think they have much 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 more to gain. In a quarterfinal, than they do, than they do that they, what they have to lose. Okay, that sounds good. Um, I'm going to get you out of here, but are you going to be at the AC tournament at all? That is the plan. I, I plan to roll in Yay. for the first three days, so catch up with everybody. Oh, the best and, three. Yeah, well, I get to see get to see everybody except Georgia Tech. God bless them. Um, you know, I'll, I'll miss I'll miss the Georgia Tech band, a staple of the first day of the ACC tournament. But at least Wake Forest will be there, so that's. You know, it, it, it's really a highlight. You know, the Wake Forest fight song, you know, gets gets the heart pumping a little bit. So it's it's a, it's a shame. It's a shame that it, it's not something that, you know, you can count on seeing later in the event a, a whole lot. But, it, you know, it's a uh, it, it's you know, it's Greensboro. It, you know, to me and, and we're gonna, I'll just go off on this tangent, too. Like it, it feels right to have the tournament back in Greensboro, at, at least for another at least for a year here. Um, you know, I, I feel like. It gets impugned by people, and I know folks in that part of the, in that part of the neck, that neck of the woods uh, get get a bit defensive. I can tell you, as somebody from afar who's never lived in the state, that it's my it, it's it's my second favorite site that they've rotated through over the last ten fifteen years or so, behind DC because I'm selfish and like to be able to to not have to travel. Uh, but beyond that, you know, I think Greensboro, given the level of support that it has, how meaningful it is down there, and the fact that the arena is so good for basketball, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a site that I very much look forward to going to whenever the... You hear that, Jim Beheim? Just saying. <laughs> 
Um, all right. Well, oh, that was the one last thing I wanted to get. Uh, can Duke get itself up a seed line if it wins? I think uh, we're, we're talking about Duke as a two, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think I think when you look at them, you, you'd be you'd be seeing what it'd be NC State, probably Florida State and then probably Louisville or Virginia. Uh, those would be three pretty good wins to get, especially the last two, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's possible. When, when you're kind of looking here at the at the top line or so, I mean, I think Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga are, are probably relatively safe. Gonzaga may be a little bit vulnerable. Uh, I, I don't know if there's much of a difference right now between Dayton and San Diego State, and San Diego State's obviously done. And so you start thinking about who can get up to the one line, it's maybe Michigan State, maybe Florida State. Uh, but you start getting, thinking about who can get up to the two line. There's a lot of teams in that group. Duke, Creighton, Oregon maybe, uh, Villanova, Seton Hall, Maryland if it somehow got hot here at the end. Uh, so, yeah, I could, I could see Duke playing its way up to, up to a two. I don't think they can get much further than that at this point. They're just, you know, it's kind of doubling back to one of the themes of our conversation. You know, there just weren't that many opportunities to get high-end wins in the ACC this year. It's kind of amazing to look at Duke's profile and see that they have 12 quadrant three this season, which is just an, is an enormous number. Uh, and I'm rolling through the, uh, the entire spreadsheet here, uh, and I believe that makes Duke the team with the second most quadrant three victories Whoa. in the country this year. The only team with more second most quadrant three victories belong to wow. Duke. Okay, that was unexpected, especially with their non-con. Like their non-con that, was yeah, strong. I, 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 that's the first time. That's the first time I looked at it. The, their their quadrant three games, um, based on this, were their home games against Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Miami, Colorado State, Wake Pitt, Georgia State, Winthrop, and Wofford, and Boston College. The neutral site game against Cal and the road game against Boston. Wow, and it's weird because you would. Yeah, because you would think some of those teams like would have played themselves into a little bit higher spot. Um, those are typically the higher end non-conference teams like Wofford and a Winthrop and things like that. Even Yeah, I mean, you play those teams at home, you ba- you need them to get into the top 75. Okay, yeah, that's somehow. true. <laughs> so that that's a little that having been said, you know, I think I think Wofford, even though they have done an admirable job in the SoCon tournament this week. Uh, not quite right. what they were last year. Uh, Winthrop obviously did, had a fabulous season and, and won the Big South. Georgia State uh, had graduated a fair bit, but that would have been a team that was further up the board. Stephen F. Austin is actually, since we're sitting here looking at Duke's profile, is about if, to move up to Quadrant 2 status. I think if they win their two games in the Southland Tournament, their, Duke's Quadrant 3 loss disappears. So, uh, but yeah, the only team in the country with more quadrant three victories than Duke is Akron. Wow, that's wild. So you don't you, you don't expect to hear Duke and Akron in the same sentence very often. But there you go. On the flip side, Duke only Duke only played two quadrant four games. The entire yeah, season. and that's that's usually where Coach K and Duke do a good job of scheduling. You know, those higher end out of conference games where they know they're going to win, especially at home. Well, unless it's Stephen F. Austin, <laughs> but. You, you know that still helps you overall in your profile and certainly doesn't hurt you so mm-hmm. yeah they had brown who they scheduled in central arkansas which was scheduled for them in that preseason tournament and that is how duke ends up with a non-conference strength of schedule of seven don't play bad teams yes, it's really that simple sometimes kids that's how you do it 
that's how you rig it. Don't it, whether it's the RPI or the net. Don't play bad teams. Yeah, and that's what NC State did a good job of this year too, of avoiding those three hundred plus, um, like they didn't do the year before. So, all right, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Well, we look forward to seeing you this week, and it should be fun, especially on those first few days. think it is to go to the ACC tournament? Um, is it mommy's? No. Caroline's. She'll be there too, yeah. And, and Virginia. So that means you like Virginia's chances, I guess. You like Virginia in the ACC tournament? Okay, well let me see. So, okay, some people think North Carolina could win five games in five days. What do you think of that? Yeah, me too. Me too. So you I love it. You I love say, it? I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but do you I think, I know you do, but do you think North Carolina could I win? Oh, honey, yeah, me too. Do you want, do I you, want a hug. Do you think, I I'll give you a hug. Do you think North Carolina could win five games in five days? I want a hug. I'm giving you a hug. Do you? And, what do you think? And and you get and and and. What about? And you give me one more hug. One more then, hug. And then you hug me. Okay. What about Florida State? Do you think uh, they could win it all? What do you think? They're no. the number one seed. They're the top no. seed. Caroline. You think Caroline's gonna win the ACC tournament? Virginia, Virginia and Caroline are going to win the ACC tournament. That's what you think? And, 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 and Carolina. Is Carolina Carolina's going to win too? Yeah. So you think Carolina can win five games in five days? That's a lot. What do you think? You think they can? Yeah. What about Duke? Duke's playing well. Do you think they could win it? Is that an air horn? What was that? What about Louisville? No one's talking about Louisville. Do you think they could win the tournament? Yeah. You do? Well, if you think Carolina... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who else? Let's see. Hmm. Oh, I know. What about NC State? Are they going to win? No. How about... No? What does that mean? He's a team, and he talks. And which team some, is he? And, um, is he? Hmm. Is he NC um, State? Is he Wake Forest? Is he Miami? Is he Syracuse? Him, Syracuse. The way, 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 way. That's Syracuse. Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. You know, you know Syracuse's head coach. You know what? He doesn't like Greensboro. Did you know that? Why? I don't know. I think it's silly. You like Greensboro, don't you? No! <laughs> you don't? I want to say bzz and bzz oh. Don't you know somebody who lives in Greensboro? Who lives in Greensboro that you know? Who do you go stay with in Greensboro? NEC. Not NEC. What about Mimi and Pop? No, we... Now you're just being silly. You always ask me if we can go to Greensboro. You love Greensboro, don't you? Remember we went to the Science Center with Mimi and Pop? 
I just pierced your hair. You buzzed my hair? Yeah, and you, and now it's on the floor and now it's on the table. That sounds like a nightmare. And now it's Why on would you, the floor. I've got to get you to stop talking about buzzing my hair. <laughs> you know how sad that would make mommy if you buzzed my hair? Yeah. How sad? Um... Crying. Yeah, I would be crying. So, okay. You will be sad crying. All right, I'm a little afraid of you right now. So, dark horse to win the ACC tournament. What do you think of Notre Dame? <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> Although I like their draw. That's the oh, thing. I like their booty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they booty and they poops and they Stop pee it, when they go potty. What about Clemson? You think Clemson can make some noise? <laughs> he can do farts with <laughs> You say he can do farts? Okay. Alrighty then. Okay. Will NC State make the NCAA tournament? He <laughs> Tell me. Yes or no? She won. <laughs> it's a he. The she is already in. They won the whole ACC. Will NC State make the NCAA tournament? Yes or no? Um. <laughs> yes or no? The people, Alex. The people need to know. She won. She. Alex, are you excited that mommy's going to be gone for the next week during the ACC tournament? Yeah, and you're going to um, do farts. I'm going to do farts at the ACC tournament? I sure hope not. That would be embarrassing if I farted at work. You'll find out at work. Okay. Well, on that note, Alex, do you want to tell the people anything? Um... They fight. They fart. <laughs> they, they. You think the 2019, 2020. They fight it. Would you say that's the slogan of the 2019, 2020 college basketball season is who farted? Yeah, she fighted. Okay, I agree. All right, Alex, tell the people goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, buddy. Goodbye, fights. <laughs>